and welcome back to the latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we finally made it. I'm a little sad. It's the final episode of The Stand, entitled The Stand. Redundant. Redundant. Or just, what's the word I want? Assertive. They are standing. They will use that phrase in the movie. Repeatedly. Y'all, repeatedly. So, before we get into this, our final installment, how was your week? My week actually was very busy. I've been doing a lot of writing, as you have. As I have. And um, so it was very productive. So We wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. This right. episode will come out oh, on Thanksgiving that. Day. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy a turkey. We are not having turkey at all. No, we are having, what are we having? Ham, and then we are having game hens. Game hens, individual game hens for each person. So that we feel like monsters. We are monsters. We're giants who are eating turkeys turkeys on our plates, (laughs) and we're enormous. Yay! Maybe we can have gold. We'll be like fee-fi-fo-fummy. Like giants. Oh, okay. Giants have gold. This is what the uh, a fairy tale. The fairy tales of my That's right. So if we are giants, giants have we gold. have gold. That okay. is the rule. And a go- well, the goose, right? The goose that laid the golden egg. Yes. Honk. Okay. There we go. I want a goose. Okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> just do a whole <laughs> thing. Okay, let's start again because <laughs> I feel like we've gone off on a we've, we've gone away. Okay, so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Let's get into the stand. So, how did you like it? How did you like these the program as a whole? I love it still. It's not good. I, it's great, but it's not good. <laughs> That's where I fall. It's great, but it's not good. But let's recap and then right. we can do final thoughts. Maybe we grade it. Uh, we start in Annabella, Utah, which is a beautiful name and actually probably where they actually were mm-hmm. because a lot of this was, in fact, filmed in Utah. Uh, Harold and Nadine are riding their little motorcycles. She's got like a Vespa and he's got a motorcycle. She looks like an an advertisement from she does. an Italian poster. For like cool cigarettes. Right, or something. <laughs> it's it's very odd. Slim, something long and skinny. Uh, and Harold sees Flag, whether or not he's there, don't worry about it. Uh, and Flies off of a cliff and breaks all of the bones. All of the bones. I think he breaks his pelvis. He breaks everything. Yeah. And I have to say, this was really impressive. Ribs. Definitely as, ribs. As a practical stunt, it is really amazing to watch. They threw someone off of a cliff. Really? <laughs> they did. And it, um, yeah, he had a long hang time on this, whoever the stuntman was. Yeah. The editing helps, but yeah, somebody really did that. Yes. Yeah, no, there was an actual body. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a mannequin body no, flying. It was no, an actual it wasn't body. CGI. We see Hopefully what CGI. He, he landed on a big poof. <laughs> we see what CGI looks like oh, yeah. at this stage because there's we, some later there's some wild CGI in this episode. Yes, and that doesn't mean good wild CGI. No, I no. said wild. Mm-hmm. I didn't say good. Uh, no. So as he flies off the cliff, Stu is uh, elsewhere drinking coffee with Glenn, and he can feel it. He feels mm-hmm. it. He yes, says right. something happened happened to Harold. A Corsican moment. Uh, which has never been dealt with before. Uh-huh. 
Stu has never had a psychic link with Harold ever before. This is new. Does he have one in the book or does it... I believe that this is pulled from the book and I believe it is a longer, deeper part right. of the narrative. Which again, it was what I'm but hoping in this for case, in the newer version of this. Uh, yeah. We get lots of these little details. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Harold says, you know, is yelling up to Nadine to help him and Nadine's like, uh, bye. And <laughs> she gets on her pink bike and drives away. <laughs> And he's like, you can't leave me. I've broken several bones. And I'm like, well, that's why she's leaving you. You know, also the fact that, I mean, she does tell him one, her parting shot is, you're right, we're damned. Yes. The fact that he asked for sympathy after committing mass murder. Yeah. And he's sort of whining. he's still got, I mean, he is very much a prototype for the incel uh, attacker, aggressor. Which we see now in, you know, the the person who actually I believe ended up killing Heather Heyer. He was mm-hmm. incel and white nationalist. Um, my understanding. Hey everyone, here's a little sociology lesson. A lot of the people that are being recruited into white nationalist uh, domestic terrorism mm-hmm. get there through the incel stuff. It starts with women are bitches and they're not doing what you want them to do. That certainly seems to be the attitude here. And then it gets into the white nationalism. So they're drawing people in. Who are disenfranchised. Right. Uh-huh. Th- in one in one area and then broadening it out into the, you know, gross, whatever. I don't under- even understand what white nationalism purports like it just doesn't he has a lot invested in his relationship with Fanny the relationship that he imagines that he's having with right. her writing poetry and getting and so in the beginning of the story he seems to just kind of be a a loser that everyone puts up with and that way you can feel some sort of sympathy with him right but then are, he definitely right. murders a bunch so, of people but my point is that over, it's almost as if the world ending is a catalyst for him. Now he has the ability to start thinking about working for other people or trying to rebuild something. Instead of devoting any of that attention, it, that character turns a corner because he doesn't look outward at any right, point. Right, which we talked about He's last just time. More and more invested in you his You were own saying, because we were contrasting him with like Peter, the guy who mm-hmm. got the water online right. and then also was hucking bodies. Right. And it, Although he Harold mm, was too, but all of his Harold tinkering was, goes right. to destruction or his own aims right. rather than... And so by this point, he is really pathetic because now he's not able to do anything anymore. He's just sort of damaged and he's lying there and he's, uh, he's abandoned by the person that he had this sort of relationship with Nadine. Right, and he had to know that she was going to abandon him. They're going to the person that she has promised to. Right. Person. That's charitable. But um, <laughs> so For lack yeah, of a better word. He just I just don't understand what he thought was gonna happen. Like this mm. is really the only way that it could end. Right. Um so Exactly. That that's it. And I wonder if it's just his it was like a very self destructive urge. To follow along this path, probably, even though he knew it was nothing, I nothing think, good was going to come from it. I think it's probable that once he saw that explosion, it excited her. It uh, didn't excite him. He, yeah. I think, was like, 
oh, that was my life that I just blew up. Right. Like, that was it. I don't have anywhere here. And he has to know A plus B equals not C for mm-hmm. him. Like, right. if if Nadine and Flag are to be together, there is nowhere for him. There is nowhere for yeah. him. So I don't know what even he's driving towards at this point. And other than, you know, yeah, his inevitable Driving death. towards a cliff yes. that he then flies off of. Um, then we are at the Targi Pass uh, in Idaho. It's September 11th. And the judge is driving and he sees someone crucified uh, wearing a sign that says drug addict. And then we see two guys in a diner and we're not sure where they are, but it mm-hmm. turns out they're basically at the same place the judge is. It's post nine. They're getting a call from Lloyd or a, a, a walkie talkie. Mm-hmm. What is that called? Like a like a message? It's not a phone call. What is right. it? When you, when I'm you, not sure what you get. What, you get, yeah, uh, what do you a... get through a walkie talkie? <laughs> um, so they're getting, I said a call, but that's wrong. Um, um, who they're warned uh, for what seems like the 15th time not to mark him. His fa- his face can't be marred. Uh, and then Lloyd goes back to bed, and who's in his bed? It's Dana. You're in love with Dana. You love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> she, at this point, is doing a full Veronica Lake. She's even being photographed that way. Yeah. Although I noticed something, and again, when I talked about the rushed nature of some of the production of this, show yeah uh as she's sort of draped around the bed and he's he's wandering around the room lloyd we actually get the shadow of the boom mic oh i'm sure that there's mics there's a lot of stuff like this and i hadn't really paid attention to it the first time i saw it and now i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) they're like that's a wrap let's move this on right and so they have sex which is Sad for Dana. Sad uh, for me, too. <laughs> yes, well, sorry. Um, then we are back in Copperfield, Idaho, which is apparently where Post 9 is, and they are pulling the judge over. Mm-hmm. So it's two guys, Tweedledum and Tweedledummer. Mm-hmm. And Tweedledummer goes ahead and kills everybody. Well, yes. Fucks up the judge, fucks up his... Just shoot shoots the judge through his buddy and then is like, I got him. And like, he can't hear you anymore because he definitely mm-hmm. is dead. <laughs> and that man went on to become the, the chairman of the NRA. As it was just... He, he shoots was... everyone in the scene, <laughs> effectively. Yeah. And then he himself gets possibly eviscerated. Yeah, at Flag least by shows up. standards, uh, by Flag. Yeah, Flag shows up in his bird form and then in his man form. And I then guess. his transition form. And then his, yeah, demon form. And he, like, rips literally. I just said, Flag comes and tears him apart. Because well, <laughs> he was like, I told you to fucking not mark him. Like, everybody told you. There's a transition that they do between the. Supposedly, it's supposed to be between the crow and the man flag where they have poor Jamie Sheridan with feathers in his hair, and it does yeah, not work. It's it, not it, a great... It just looks like he's appropriating some Native American right, culture. It just, like, it's, it's weird. It is, as, as, uh, and as good as some of the makeup effects are in this film, there's some spectacular ones. That, that transitional feathers in his hair thing just looks like I he's had a, like a big hair blowout. And any this of 
I think the makeup for the sick for sickness is done mm-hmm. very well. Right. Stuff that looks natural. Right. I think the makeup effects, and I think it's because they're doing a lot of CG work uh-huh. that wasn't prepared, that wasn't ready in 1994 for specifically Flag's transitions mm-hmm. to his sort of demonic faces. Right. It doesn't look good. Now, I'll say this. There is, because typically what they do, and we see this later in a scene with Nadine, um, he goes through several different versions of yeah. the flag. Yeah. There's one that looks kind of like almost like a gorgon. Yeah. There's one that is just kind of a face like a puddle. And there's the demonic face, which doesn't quite work for me because it moves his hairline really far back and he kind yeah. of looks like Homer Simpson became the devil. It's, it's, it, well, he's not supposed to have hair anymore, but because right. they're tra- doing this, yeah, this sort of, Michael Jackson black or white transition. Mm-hmm. He does always still have this mullet situation because Jamie Sheridan is rocking a fierce mullet in the right. as Jamie Sheridan in this movie, and uh, and that mullet leaves like a a mullet ghost in right. all of the transitions. Even when we're supposed to be seeing the horns or whatever, yeah. it still looks like a mullet. It <laughs> does weird. not really work. I do like. The in-between transitions that make his face basically just a distortion. Yes. Without features. Those things are creepy. Right. But in this and later scenes, it's almost like there's a, um, not almost like, take that out. It's, there's a transitional face that I don't even get where it's coming from because we don't really see it very much. That's because it's, I I don't know what of it is practical and what of it is just the CGI smudges that they did in the transition. Yeah, just it doesn't. It, it feels, does. it feels like a rough draft. Mm-hmm. Like every time he transitions, I'm like, "Oh, look, this is the spec uh, effects that they've put into the rough draft," and I can't wait to see what they really come out with. I think <laughs> but that, that is what they really came out. And with. this is, I, I really feel that if the special effects. Cannot be done. Don't do it. Don't do it. I know. There are whole films, starting with The Hunting, 1960s The Hunting, or The Shining, where well, if the special effects technology is not there to do it, just don't. Right. Well, I actually think that they thought they were there. And right. this is better than it had ever been before. Right. So you don't know how bad something is until you mean, see a new iteration The other of films it. that I suggested... Uh, are good examples of there's ways of doing things by suggestion when it is not. I understand work. that, yeah. but I'm saying that I think the filmmakers looked at this and went, "That looks awesome." <laughs> That's what I think was. Uh, I think in 1994, uh-huh. that looks awesome. That was state for of the a, art for, certain, for a for sure, TV yes. movie. Absolutely, I think mm-hmm. they were like, "This is awesome." I think in 2019. Mm-hmm. That is not a thought that we're having, and I think that's what, that's all it is. I I don't think that they were like, well, it looks like shit, but we're leaving it in. I think that they were like, this is cool, this looks good, and is the way we, we, that we but want it. Didn't it. have a, uh, I, maybe I'm arguing for an aesthetic consistency, just having this his face constantly go to a blob and change into something else. It it. It was almost it was drawing too much attention to itself. Yeah. So now you're just paying but you only to. see it really. And it, like it's five used times, sparingly, maybe? I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, that that works better than showing it over and over and over again. Yeah. So now the judge is dead. So we're down to two spies. 
Uh, we go back to Lloyd and Dana, and Lloyd gets a, another phone call. Or and This is an actual phone call. Mm-hmm. And Flag says, the judge is awash. Time to take their number two. And Lloyd's like, great. Do you know who it is? Do you have any idea who it is? And, and Flag apparently has known the whole time. And Lloyd is real mad because number two, of course, is Dana. <laughs> and so Julie and Ratman and Lloyd go into their bedroom and are like, you got to get up. And she's like, I'm going to go in the bathroom and get dressed because I'm not going to go in front of them, in, in front of the, your master and my panties. Like, you could just kill me now. Like, it's not going to happen. Uh, although the dress that she is wearing is 100% sheer. So she kind of is going in and front we of them really appreciate that, panties. I think. That dress. As a fan. And the bol- bolero jacket with flared purple sleeves, or per- the purple bolero jacket with flared sleeves that she hides a. Knife, like the biggest spring knife, the biggest spring knife I've ever seen. I'm like, that's gonna get that's what you used to kill vampires. I guess I don't know what that was. I don't see how she could have hidden that, given that her outfit is transparent and the mechanism to spring one of these out is pretty big. Because that's why she wore the bolero jacket with the flared sleeves (laughs) that were too, it was too long, it was this long on her. Mm Like, came down to her fingers, so that's how you hide it. But, yeah, no, this thing was too big. There's no way she would have hidden it, but it's fine. She It was in the bathroom. She straps it onto her arm, and then they go. Uh, and they're, she's trying to belittle them, mm-hmm. like, like your tin god is nothing, and this, that, and the other. And I think one of them says, well, he's the biggest and the strongest. And she's like, that's not even true. Mm-hmm. And like... Uh, so Flag uh, and Dana sit across from each other on the floor of this room. Well, he, that whole confrontation, I have to say, so I bizarre. don't know much about Kelly Overbay, the actress who played Dana. Okay, but she ruled this scene. Oh yeah, she for sure. was really good, and the way that her character sadly goes out is yeah, she. Yeah. She so, well, really, let's, yeah. yeah. Um, so Flag is saying she can go, mm-hmm. um, but he wants to know who the third person is. He can't get a grip on or like a read on it. All mm-hmm. that he can see is the moon. And that's when she, we're, I think, to understand that she just now realizes that Tom is a spy. Well, she um, saw Tom, though. She, yes, yeah. but she may have thought. Saw that Tom genuinely had. had genuinely uh, had okay. been kicked out, which. Seems wild. Mm-hmm. Like, she should have known when she saw him the if first time. If she saw the relationship between him and Nick, I think she was aware that... That they're... Yeah, yeah know, I can't... Those two are... Yeah. That's not going to happen. Although, once Nick dies... Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't know about because she was also taken aback by the fact that Mother Abigail was dead. That's true. And she refused to believe it. That's right. That's right. So, and so she didn't know Nick died either. That's true. But, like, once Nick died, he didn't... Tom didn't necessarily have... Have protection uh, in the group. Now, it turns out he doesn't need it, mm-hmm. and he is a valued member of their community, but um, it it seems to us, and I think that they want the audience to know that she didn't realize that he was the third one until this conversation, mm-hmm. but that seems weird. Like, that doesn't yeah. seem right. Uh, and she's like, nope, don't know who it is. It's weird. I don't, I don't know who it is. Whatever. And then he basically is like, well, I'm going to get it out of you. I'll, like, cut it out of you. And she realizes what she's 
in for, and she breaks some glass, like some decorative glass uh-huh. along like a railway or a railing, and then impales herself on it. Now, before this, she does her assassination attempt. Uh, she does. She tries and to stab him. She says, eat this, and then she thrusts, and she and he turns her knife into a banana. Now, see, this is... I don't know why, because he's a magician. killed all the tension in that scene, because it was such an adolescent prank. Oh, it's not a knife, it's a banana. Well, I mean, it, it was also her, her, eat this. Was so over-theatrical. Um, you don't do that. You get up close to him, uh-huh. you move your arm around the side, and then you expel it into his ribs. You don't, like... Say a thing that's you don't threatening, warn the person and then before you stab them, you just stab <laughs> you them. Just yes. stab them. You, you and just I know this. People in the movies don't know that you don't give everyone and it's fair unlikely before you stab she, them. He probably knew that that was there the whole time, and so even if she had been more stealth about it, it right. probably would not have done anything. But it well, that's why I said there's better ways to handle it. Than it was very much like doing a roundhouse. Sort of, like, right. why are you telegraphing everything to your opponent where they can just step out of the way? Like, but the, do you not want to win this fight? Yeah, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, it, it was a yeah, it was overdone, and I think that the banana thing just killed the tension of what was a very good scene. Now, if they bring it back again with the way that she kills herself. Because that's pretty horrid. Yeah. She just, like, impales, like, cuts her neck, Which reminds me of the scene, actually, in the dead zone with the the young man and the scissors. Yes. I was just going to say, it's very much like that. He bows his neck onto, or in that case, his mouth. Yeah. In her case, her open, which we don't get to see, because, again, this is... Yeah, it's television. So you see her body covered in blood, but you don't see the actual impalation. a very weird moment where, because... She's Dana's a small thing, yeah. right? He picks her up, and he's so mad he just throws her off the side of the camera. And you think, oh my god, I hope there was a, a like a mattress because he just sort of picks her up, he and just chucks her, yeah. chucks her because she's. And I, I'm like, oh, it's all right. She's, okay. she's dead. She doesn't feel. And like you don't it. hear the sound of it, her like crunching anywhere. So it just <laughs> again becomes almost comic. Like what is it? it what am I going to do with this? All this Maybe blood he... and cleavage. It was like <laughs> watching your own like a modern Hammer film, or at least a more modern one. And he just throws her off to the side and goes on a tirade, which he keeps doing. There's lots of tantrums, demonic yeah, tantrums. Yeah, he's, he's melting down. And uh-huh. and that's, I think, my problem with this one mm-hmm. specifically, is he goes from top of the world to bottom of a pit real fucking quick. Like, mm-hmm. we hear from the good guys, them taunting that, this, that everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. But we don't see right. that. And so it's like, well, what what all is going on? And we do start seeing, mm, we'll get into it, but people do start sort of seceding. Mm-hmm. They're like, this doesn't seem well, like plan to. a place to be yeah. and whatever. But um, while Dana is fighting Flag, at the same time, basically, Tom Cullen sees that the moon is full, remembers through his hypnosis that mm-hmm. he has to go home. Um, and he is bicycling out of town. And as he's bicycling past the plaza, Julie sees him and just yells, the Phoebe, and then goes back. That's another... Which... (laughs) She needed to be... Julie, Lowry, you're the worst. But also you needed more screen time than the three scenes that we end up seeing. You need the director to put a rein on her because her performance is so... She's a lot. Cackling, giddy, over-the-top, skipping. She literally skips away. 
after saying that. Uh, and you know this actress yeah. is capable of better, but... The, the, also the fact that we know that she can't be on any drugs or drinking, mm-hmm. and she's still behaving like this yeah. is a little bit wild. Um, then we switch and we see that Harold, we see Harold, and Harold is not dead yet. Uh, he, is a, he is a mess. He is a mess. Right. Uh, Harold wishes he was dead. So presumably some time has gone. Like, I, is this the next day? I think maybe it is the next mm. day. Um, because we've had this whole night scene. Right. Like, a lot of stuff has happened. Um, he writes a note. It says, I'm sorry I was misled, which is some um, passive bullshit. <laughs> Uh, and then he shoots himself. He was fortunate to have a gun in the pack, I guess, that had also been flung down the hill. Did she throw it to him, or did it come with his bike? I think it came with his bike. Okay. I don't believe that she gave him any outs. Any, any outs. I think mm. in the book, she mm. gives him the out. I think she leaves him with, like, two bullets or and something. And trusts him not to shoot her? Maybe one bullet. Maybe it's... <laughs> well. Uh, he's away. He she doesn't um, go to him. Oh, okay. She flings it down to him. I think so. He shoots himself. Uh, Stu feels that they're walking down the street, and he says, "Harold's dead. He blew his head off." I can. Uh, he spits, and he says, "I can taste gun oil. Gun oil. My mm. mouth is full of the taste." Um, which I don't know what gun oil tastes like. So, but I wonder if all of a sudden my mouth was full of the taste of it, I'd be like, "Oh, gun oil." <laughs> Uh, then elsewhere we see Nadine and her bike has died, so she gets off and just starts hoofing it towards Vegas. This is, what follows is probably to me the most disturbing scene in the entire miniseries. Not yet. It's the next but one. I, okay, what follows for her. I yeah, think. what follows for her. Yes. So first we go and we're in Indian Springs with Trash Can Man. And... Um, he is hearing voices of kids taunting him. Those kids are not there. He is being taunted by adults, but he is hearing voices of children, bygone children, um, and sort of zooms away, um, yelling, I couldn't help it, I'm so sorry. And he's, he, Indian Springs is where we keep our nuclear weapons, kids. So if that's, if you didn't know that, that's what has happened. So he's there. And he's not fully with it <laughs> already. Which is understatement. Um, and then we see, we go back to Nadine. And she's singing, Baby, Can You Dig Your Man? Once again. Please, newsstand, come up with a better song for us to be singing throughout this whole thing. Because that song is not good. And she is sort of led verbally to voices that she can hear into the desert, off of the road and into the desert. Um, and then she finds like a little like campsite set up. There's mm-hmm. a big fire and there's a like a bunch of sleeping bags or whatever piled up. There's a <laughs> in probably my favorite piece of set deck deck that maybe I've ever seen. There is a branch stuck into the earth in a pile of um, rocks with a roll of toilet paper, like, on it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, they thought of everything. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, Flag walks out of the fire and rapes Nadine. So that's this fun. Scene, 
is I, I know that there was a lot of issues with standards and practices at the time. Yeah. Because there's some mild profanity in this yeah. show. And there's a lot of, I think, one of the characters that nearly got cut out of the film was what the judge sees when he comes into town, which is a desiccated corpse yeah. of a crucified addict. Yeah. And his crown of thorns is made up of syringes. Yeah. That almost got lost. I don't understand how this fairly explicit rape scene yeah. gets into the film. Yeah. And it it goes on longer than you expected. That's the thing. It goes on for a long time. Like, right. we kind of all knew that this is what was going to happen, right. right? Even Nadine knew that this wasn't going to be a pleasurable experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she understood how unpleasurable. The moon turns red. Mm-hmm. We see them silhouetted. She's screaming no. Right. I mean, it's it's He rips rough. off her clothes, but you also see fairly explicit. He burrows between her legs and yeah, just keeps hammering away. Yeah, there's thrusting, yes. And, and I was surprised that you could get away with this on network television. Yeah. It also puts... Um, it, it was just very strange. This, and he's transformed into a demon face at this point. Yes. So you're seeing her... Ra- and it's also put in a weirdly sexual kind of... We see Nadine really sexualized. Yes. Her cleavage is tucked up to her chin, and she screams. It's just it's, disturbing. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. And then we see the ne- them the next morning. They're driving. He's singing. They're driving in a convertible. He's mm-hmm. singing. She's got a scarf over her head, but it is a p- it is apparent that her hair has turned totally white at this point. And she's catatonic. And she is, yeah. And she's also holding, and that's another scene that's the explosive. She, she's just it. holding... She's herself. All, but in a repeated <laughs> viewing, because I saw it again after. She spends most of the scenes afterwards holding her crotch yes, in her hand. Like she does. she's in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she, yes. Yeah. Like covering right. that part of her body. Not her stomach where a baby right. would be lower than that. Explicitly like. really, and I don't know if that's better or worse. If we get really the sense that she has been violated. No, I think And the, he's so damn yeah. cheerful about it. Yeah, he's real gross about it, y'all. And, or it, it, that just sort of adds to the whole, because there's, it just takes a turn after that. Everything starts accelerating. That's the thing. Yeah, this is where it's sort of, where we, we've reached sort of the top of the roller coaster thing and we're mm-hmm. just going to zoom down now. Yeah. It's like everything happens very fast and there's not a lot of, explanation of how we got here so quickly or even what's supposed to be happening sometimes so we're oh we see san rafael swell utah um glenn uh, and this is the four of our guys Mm -hmm. walking and glenn says she wanted us cleaned out empty ready to be filled up with some new thing which i thought was a really interesting way he's because he's talking about how they were just out there with nothing no food, no water. They right. had to just find what they could find. And yeah, there's some lovely writing here, too. And I think yeah. that speech was one of the things. Mm-hmm. The speech and the performance of the, the characters at this uh, part of the, the story. Yeah. Uh, then we're back with Flag returning to Vegas with Nadine. And she, like I said, she has gone totally white. Um, mm-hmm. Julie is there and trying to get Lloyd to tell Flag what she saw, which was Tom Cullen leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and there's discussion about Trash Can Man, who is basically AWOL at this point. They don't mm-hmm. know where he is. A flag says that he'll come on in on his own, handle him gently. Um, 
make it quick and painless. So they are going to dispose. Like I, I, he is well, run he out of his purpose. His, I think. Well, or he is no longer able to serve whatever future purpose they had in mm-hmm. in mind for him. He's just gone. Too. He's too far gone. Um. And this is when Nadine gets in the elevator and turns around and utters my favorite line in the whole movie. And she just has this like rictus grin on her face and she just says, We are dead. And this is hell. And then the doors close on her and it's like This is oh, one she's of the best not a person anymore. Line readings. <laughs> In television, I think. Yeah, it's great. The the timing of the scene, too, with the door Where, shutting on her face. We, yes. It's, it's very yeah. good, and it is what I remember from... It is mm-hmm. what I remember from this um, whole miniseries, is that line reading, mm-hmm. her reading that line. And everything else that I don't like about her character is sort of redeemed in the post-rape Nadine. The performance or the character? All of it. Okay. Like, everything I was super aggravated about the character before, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I didn't like her, but that was real fucked up that she had to go through it. And Laura Sangiacomo shows that she doesn't have to be this shaking, weirdly, overtly sexy, obnoxious... Mm -hmm sort of mewling You're getting to see her character. Out. She really does a, she, a yes, range. In, in, in just this. these scenes, and there's only uh, three of them, I think, yeah. uh, she really redeems, like, Laura Sangiacomo redeems uh, herself in well, the... In you're the also, she's inadvertently stealing the scenes because you're watching her mostly. Oh, yeah. There's conversations with Miguel, there's conversations, I mean, Miguel, with... Um, <laughs> with Lloyd, yes. Lloyd. And a flag, and you're watching her. But it's her. She's and how she is the center she's of those incredibly scenes. listless, and mm-hmm. and you're looking at her because you're... and she never stops. Right. She even when she's not the focus of the scene, mm-hmm. she never stops, and so you can't look away from her yeah. because you're like, what, what's going on there? And they they actually, I will say too, Mick Garris frames these scenes nicely because right. he puts her in the periphery, so that you're like uneasy about what's like what's well because what's all the conversations in the foreground between the man and I was going to say the men man and whatever right. he is yeah. become sort of aimless when you see the collateral destruction of Nadine in the corner you're aware of what all of his plans are doing and so when they're going back and forth we have to do this we have to do that and his weird attempts to create the image that Nadine is his voluntary wife there's also a strange moment with. Uh... <laughs> Give me a second. With Julie, where she's very eager to, just before this, to be for Lloyd to tell Flag that uh-huh. she's the one who spotted the spy, which even though yeah. he already knows, and he does this very he strange. Doesn't know. Well, he says he knew who the spy. Oh no, that's right. He doesn't know who the he spy. doesn't know who the, he knew who yeah. Dana was. He doesn't know who the yeah. But he does. Uh, he touches her, and it's somewhere between being sexual and like he's exploiting her too. Even though later on he refers to her as the rat faced girl. Bat faced girl. Bat faced girl. Yeah, no, specifically. I think I would have preferred rat faced girl. girl. I don't and know a, what a bat face really looks like. Which I 
I every time, okay, when I hear that line, I think of Call Me Al lyric. I thought it was something else, and I had misheard it as some roly-poly little bat-faced girl. Because that's a that's a that's a rough description of somebody, but no, that is in fact the lyrics. Thanks, Paul Simon. You're kind of a dick. He is kind of a dick, though. I still love that song. But anyways, uh, yeah, he like grabs her face in a way that I don't like, and she <laughs> does a weird bit too, where she goes entirely submissive all throughout the well, story. I... She's kind of this live wire, and then she goes. Submissive to the point of being terrified. Yeah. So Lloyd comes up. They make themselves gin and tonics. Mm -hmm. Um, Flag apologizes to Nadine because she's pregnant and indisposed. Oh, one might have something to do with the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flag tells Lloyd there are four men that are on their way um, here. They're Mm -hmm. just walking up the freeway. Don't know why. And we've got to bag them. Uh, And then Lloyd says, oh... Because Flag's like, what was that bat face girl? What did she mm-hmm. want? And he's like, oh, she knows, she recognized this guy and was probably the, the third thing. And Flag loses his goddamn mind. <laughs> he's th- he throws every glass, several bottles of liquor. Mm-hmm. Once again, they're in this weird round vestibule where the bar is and there's no furniture and I don't understand well, the layout of the sort of room. kicking things over and he does. Yeah. He just And he is he has demon face on and he's just raging out of like just I'm wondering for the actor how that cuz I'm not sure he could see very well with the contacts in it and everything. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I that scene must have been kind of difficult to pull off. Um, and, and at that point we see Nadine and she's walking back and forth and yeah, her hands are sort of between her legs. Mm -hmm. She's sitting down, she's walking back and forth and he like stills her, Mm -hmm. like just touches her. So she just stops moving. Um, it was real unsettling. And then Lloyd goes, Lloyd's like, I mean, are you done? (laughs) Like, Like he's very nonchalant about the whole thing. And then we see Nadine, Lloyd leaves and we see Nadine and she's out on the balcony. She's sort of migrated out to the balcony. And she's talking to him. And she's coherent now. She's calm. It's the deepest her voice has been this whole movie, <laughs> this whole time. And she's she talks about how they're saying that you're losing control. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, who is saying that? And how would you know? You've yeah, literally you only here. been here for no time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I don't... It could have been conversations that she heard. And again, we have to infer this because it's not made explicit it's in not. this abbreviated, truncated version or of the story. Or is she getting extra sensory information, mm, right? Like, Things like that knows? happen in this world. She says, your seat is cold. She says, basically, you're going down and I'm going to watch it happen from hell with your baby in my arms. And then she dives off this fucking balcony, which... In Las Vegas, most balconies are not balconies. <laughs> like, there are not usually balconies in Vegas because people do things that make them want to throw themselves off of balconies, and hotels don't want to deal with it. But she goes, and they're screaming. Later, there's hosing down, and that Which is I the think, last we see of her. I think that was an effective scene, the shot mm-hmm. of someone hosing her blood off the sidewalk. Yeah, well, especially because of the conversation that's happening at the same time. But before we get to that, um, 
we we go to Proof Rock National Storage or tr- Proof Rock n- Nuclear Storage, and I didn't actually look if Proof Rock is actually the name of it, but if so, T. S. Eliot has too much power in our society, and it's the trash can man, and he's looking for something that'll make the big fire. I'm just like, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we cut back to the scene where we're seeing the hosing, and it's Lloyd and a dude named Wit. Uh, his name is oh, I went too far. Whitney Horgan. He's a minor character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen him. A, him no, right? we've seen him a couple of times. Oh, before. the first time he speaks. Uh, no, he'd spoken before too. I don't um, remember it all. It, it was earlier in the same episode. Uh, he's played by Sam Anderson, who is a dude who's been in uh, literally everything. Oh, yes. I recognize the actor. Yeah. Um, and he is contemplating getting out of Dodge, basically. He's one of the guys that's, that's sort of running, like he's a management level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He is seeing writing on the wall. What that writing is, um, it's unclear, y'all. It's like legitimately, we don't know what the discord is. He is, has probably the most logical idea. If you're not with Mother Abigail, you don't have to be with Randall Flagg. There's an entire world that's been wasted away. I'm going to go to Brazil. Yeah, that's what they decide. They're going to go to Brazil. They're going to go to southern, southern California or southern South America. There might be survivors who can teach you how to dance or capoeira. Yeah, you could have a good time in Brazil. Yeah. So, um, he invites Lloyd, and Lloyd's like, "I can't." Flag's the only person who's ever like believed in me. <laughs> And so I have to stay, and I'm just like, I mean, Lloyd, it sucks if you're the best person in Las Vegas. It's going to get you killed. <laughs> like, Well, it's the consistency of his character. He's in this mess in the first place because he was very loyal to his psychopath friend who didn't need to just shoot uh, not everybody, to, yeah. uh, rob a place. He needed to shoot everyone in everyone it. Everyone in it, yeah. Pokerize them. Wow. I still remember that. Uh, and then... We're on the Nevada-Utah border, and there are some campers talking. One of those campers is John Landis. Hey, Cameo. How are you doing? Uh, and they're talking about maybe bailing on Las Vegas. Well, well, first you have to say what John Landis. I think he specifically wanted to say this line. Oh, I thought there'd be more whores. Oh, I, I missed that thing. <laughs> he so goes I, on a rant. I was confused by... So Tom is has sort of come upon these campers. And what mm-hmm. Tom was hip- told under hypnosis was if there's one person who catches you, kill them. Mm-hmm. If there are more than one, run, right? right? There's more than one here. Uh, and he doesn't want to you know, kill, kill anybody. anybody anyways. Uh, I think there's only, was it two or three? Yeah. There's, um, a, there's a black dude and John Landis, uh-huh. and I don't well, know if there's anybody else. There might have been so another one. Uh, and I thought that these were people who were already leaving, like they were headed out of Las Vegas. You uh-huh. didn't get that sense. And the impression I got was that they were a perimeter. They were looking for Tom, time. right. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I legitimately All I don't know. All I know is that he's missing whores. But he, he got 
Tom gets away. He doesn't uh-huh. have to kill anybody, and he does not get caught. Uh, and then we go back to the four walking, and there's a washed-out road. They're in Axe, Utah, on 9-18, September 18th. And uh, they end up all getting down okay, including mm-hmm. Glenn, who fucking looks spry. He slides yeah. down the way that I would do it. I'd be like, go on your butt. Yes, do that. Uh, and then Stu goes to go up the other side and doesn't make it. He ends up compound fracturing his leg. Mother Abigail was of a, of a mind to know that one would fall, but could not say which one. Well, would not, Stu. maybe. No, she said she couldn't. Mm-hmm. I take her at her word. Uh, and Larry wants to find a way to get him going. And Stu's like, no, I'm just, this is where I live now. <laughs> In the bottom of this washout, hope there's not another flash flood. That would really suck. Uh, leaned up against the car. Um, Glenn and Ralph sort of talk Larry into continue on. And Larry's like, I am sick of this. I am sick of hearing about God. I'm sick of all of this. Like I hate all of it. Uh, and they leave the dog behind who is, I think who Kojak stays, Kojak stays with Stu, um, to get him foods. I think he catches some rabbits and stuff like they, he's able to start a fire. So at some point Mm -hmm. he's burning a fire, but he gets left behind. And and then we some time passes, and the three remaining come upon the roadblock. Um, the only thing that tells us how much time has passed is the fact that they all have facial hair now. Yeah. There is no date card on this one. Um, they all hold hands and just walk uh, towards the um, the roadblock that's been set up, waiting for them. Uh, and then they all get put in jail. And they're sort of uh, questioned by everybody, but they don't really have anything to say. They do a lot of, your time's almost up, but with no, they have no plan. They were not sent with any message or weapon or (laughs) anything. So these conversations don't amount to much, except them going... You're smaller than you think you are. And Flag going, no. <laughs> so now, the <laughs> conversation before this on the road with the four guys, uh-huh. there is a good moment that gives us an idea of Flag's world where there's a police uh, the, well, police officer and he is uh, talking about why he has sided with Flag because there's no crime, there's no drug addicts, there's no... Right. And that also made you want to see more of what their camp was as opposed to the other camp, but we don't get that. We don't, yeah. Uh, there's another really funny moment where one of his deputies asks for the, the uh, what is it, the social security numbers of the four men, and that leads to them just laughing out loud, as if, how does that matter anymore? Right, yeah. Where, where, what's going to go, my permanent record? Although... At the same time, uh-huh. they're singing the national anthem and right. voting back in Boulder. Your social so Security code, how do you even, re- if you didn't know it, what are you going to do? You're going to whip it out of your, yeah. your wallet? And, yeah, you're you going to look this up in the database, right. motherfucker? No. It's <laughs> like you're not. There's just a guy with a piece of paper who's going to be really officious about everything. Yeah. The uh, the police action, though, is, is kind of what you'd expect. They get beaten up. Yeah. 
And they get dragged back to the cells, as you yeah. said. And then Glenn goes too far talking to Lloyd, and I don't have the thing. I just have a note that says he's shot in the gut by Lloyd. Well, Lloyd doesn't want to shoot him. Flag is commanding him to shoot him. Oh, that's right. And he's like, but well, it's he's unclear an old man. Why, yeah. Well, it's because he first picks on Flag. Glenn does. Yeah. And does it successfully because Glenn he's does just... not. Lloyd, excuse me, rather, Flag does not like being laughed at. No, he doesn't. He's he's really bad at being mocked. He's he's a child. Real Trumpian man. Right, I know. Like, it, y'all, there are some. There's over, some parallels. Over, yeah, in here it's are, not where it's like. You're the most powerful man here. You're not even a man, but you're yeah. the most powerful being here. And and an old man laughing at you in your face like undoes you to the point of like psychosis. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? Like, well, I think had we seen more of everything falling through his fingers. Yeah, which we, he says is happening, but right. we still we don't, don't know what that is. People are doing what they're told. Mm-hmm. They're Doing the work that he's ordered, I I don't quite know what isn't working. Right. What isn't working? Um, and then, yeah, Lloyd shoots Glenn in the gut, and Glenn offers, uh, it's all right, you don't know any better, which is withering. <laughs> yes. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then we see Larry and Ralph holding hands and praying. Uh-huh. Um, and then we we see Mother Abigail, and we think it's Stu seeing Mother Abigail, um, and she says, "Behold a pale horse," and does the whole mm-hmm. and death and death. And she says, "Oh yeah," and she's talking to Stu, and she's like, "You gotta wake up because you need to see what's coming." And that sort of gets him moving because he's been sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's. I think in the book it's a it's an infection. Right? Well, that makes logical sense. Yeah. Right. Like, he's got a compound fracture and he's just in Utah outside. That's not a great combination. Um, and so he tries to climb up this thing, this embankment again, by mm-hmm. himself with a compound fracture of the leg. And it's been a while, but it hasn't been long enough that he's anywhere near healed. Yeah. Um, and he's dragging himself up and when he just doesn't think he can make it, he, he gets a helping hand from Tom. Yay! <laughs> Tom is here. And he says, I was I was further away, but Nick told me in my dream that I had to come back. In my dreams, he can talk. Did yeah. I tell you that? And he said that before. And um, then he's like, okay, well, we got to get you somewhere. And Stu's like, we can't, we have to stay here, we have to watch. I don't know what we're watching for, but we just have to watch. And I'm like, you could probably see it from other places too, but okay, dude. (laughs) Just say you're tired, it's fine. Uh, And then in downtown uh, Las Vegas, we see these contraptions. And Lloyd had asked if, he should construct more crucifixes. And Flag had said, I think we're going to need something bigger. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't tell what these things were. They looked like um, like horseshoes. And it turns out <laughs> that uh, Ralph and Larry are going to be drawn and quartered. 
Yuck. Mechanically. This Mechanically. Time. Mm-hmm. So that is what these things that they are strapped to will do is pull them apart, now, which is We're going to have yuck. to go in, in depth in this scene because it's one long scene where a lot of sometimes completely ridiculous things happen. Yes. So Ralph and Larry, the only two mm-hmm. that have made it this far, uh, are... Um, Shackled mm-hmm. at four points, spread eagle mm-hmm. on on these contraptions. Larry asks the dude that's basically been in charge of him that we know was in the Santa Monica PD, mm-hmm. and he is a cop. This dude is one of the same, same right. like the do- previous doctors and cops. We've seen this actor mm-hmm. before. He's always a cop. Uh, he says, "Did you learn that at Santa Monica PD?" To which the cop looks abashed, which is the appropriate response because, yeah, this is, where are we? Where this drawing mm-hmm. drawing and quartering is, like, uh, okay. A public spectacle as well. Yeah, and then Flag comes out very well lit. He's the MC of this whole evening, and he's, like, pumping it's up the crowd. It's somewhere between, like, an episode of Wheel of Fortune, only they're tied to the wheel. Yeah. It's, it's also played out like a crucifixion. You know, the, the two guys, the martyrs are being dragged yeah. through the crowd and people are spitting in their faces and attacking them. So it's it's staged in a way to be part passion play, part kind of this weird climax to the story because it Right, yeah, this is, yeah, this is, this is the, yeah. the, yeah, this is the culmination of everything. So he comes out and basically is like, uh, these two men are m- guilty of the murder of Carl Huff, mm-hmm. who I think, I think, is the dude from Station Nine earlier this episode, whose buddy killed him. I, I think that's the murder I that they're pinning that on who him. Who they were referring to was the man who gets blown up by trash can man who loses a booby-trapped airplane hangar. Oh, I forgot about that. Right. And they, no, they blame that on him, too. They blame that on that. Oh, maybe because maybe they say, the and the attack at Indian Springs, right. which I think is the thing you're mm-hmm. talking about. That's right. Because so Trash, when he's seeing those kids earlier this episode, when he's seeing those kids mocking him, he also causes an explosion. Right. He plants a bomb. He plants and a bomb. There's a character who we, we don't really know so, very well. Yeah. So maybe that was him. Who so comes they, in to see, oh, God, there's a bomb here. And yeah. So just they, in time to get blown up. They have... He, he has pinned these murders. He's tr- he's tried them mm-hmm. and found them guilty of murders that they had nothing to do with. Uh, he says to everyone that it's their duty to watch this, but if you have small children, you're dismissed. And I'm like, any we haven't have seen small any children small children. children. Yeah. But I don't know that there aren't any small children. But mm-hmm. I think that the filmmakers did a good job of not showing small children. Good job, especially given what's about to happen. So at this point, Whitney who was going to bail, he's having a crisis of conscience, and he tries to stop it. He comes out, and he's He's, like, this isn't how Americans act. Right, it's a crisis of citizenship. Well, this is apparently how Americans act. Some Americans act if if you're a colored person, but anyhow. Right. (laughs) right, These are white men up here. What is happening? I I don't want to lay it all on white men, but yes, public lynchings in the South, people used to come from miles around to see them. But used to. So he would like to believe that in the year of our Lord, 1994, this is not a thing that we would do. This is very much, I think, King's idea, this sort of salt of the earth American character. 
right. that we should be better, which is a, a good thing to aspire we to. Sh- we should be. And so I actually felt for what he was saying because the actor does a really good job of looking horrified. As if to say, this is where we're at now. We're going yeah. to actually watch people pulled apart yeah. by a machine. Yeah. And then Flag shows a new trick and fireballs him to death. Well, electricity balls him to death. Mm-hmm. So his body is just a mass of electricity on the ground. <laughs> okay. This was not a Hold successful Hold on. We're, we're going to come, come back effect. to him. Uh, then we have Trash Can coming. Mm-hmm. His body is physically breaking down. Visibly... Right. Breaking down. He has... Radiation poisoning. Radiation poisoning, because mm-hmm. what's attached to him on the back of his little ATV, that'd be a nuclear weapon. That is an atom bomb that he has. He says, it's the fire for you, the big one for you. Julie sees it and screams, he's got a bomb. Okay, this is the part And that trips was... over and falls onto Whitney's body, <laughs> which is still electrified, killing her now. Now, this was so, probably... <laughs> the idea that she calls anybody else a phoebe when she trips and dies. She, but she also does that thing where she screams with her hands and claw uh-huh. and her face like nobody has ever done. I mean, they, this, this was every woman in a Roger <laughs> Corman movie in the 50s. Yeah, it is. Right? It really is an image. <laughs> and, then she runs, and then she runs. The and then she runs. The idea <laughs> that she just trips and dies, it's like, wow, you're an idiot. <laughs> I, I don't know how much input she had. Is it? And again, with like the banana was a moment where I just thought, this is not supposed to make me laugh, maybe, but it's making me laugh. <laughs> Lloyd tries to talk Trash Can Man down, mm-hmm. at which point the electricity from Whitney's body and Julie's body now, like, separates from them. And now this came from Flag originally. Right. Okay. It, it raises above them. It turns into a hand. No, no, not yet. No, it does. It turns into Mother Abigail. Oh, does it? It turns into the image of Mother Abigail, who then tells them of their coming doom, which oh, is it's I like that. a floating I didn't think, bubble no, 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 of no, no. Abigail. It does. There is a floating bub- bubble of Abigail, but under that, the electricity okay. is morphing into a hand. There's, it's two separate things. Is it though? We don't know. And it makes no sense. Larry but... actually, in case we didn't know what the fuck we were looking at, Larry actually says, Do you see it? It's the hand of God. And I'm like, Yeah, we see it. And um, it goes over and touches the atom bomb, which is barely all the atom bomb needs to detonate. And then no. yeah. we're back with Tom and Stu watching. A mushroom. A mushroom cloud. Now, very briefly, the hand of, I, I believe in God, I believe in God's hands, should God so choose. This, I'm sure, was met with the most sincere feeling. But it is woof. really badly done. To the point and where the thing it, is, it's comical. It is written, in the book, mm-hmm. this is what happens. It doesn't feel so che- I don't know if it's a thing you can literally translate to the screen mm-hmm. and not have it look goofy as hell. Now, they're going to try again. <laughs> well, I feel so, that there's a better, maybe, because part of what makes this scene fail is the special effects are very poor. Yeah. Uh, especially for what and they're trying to do. This, too, also feels very much like um, they were running out of time. Yeah. 
it well, feels like had they had like even mm-hmm. a week longer to render this stuff, it would have looked but better. But it also feels like in terms of the practical production, it's running out of time because it's very much, let's get all the bad people into one scene, uh, one run-on scene, and just start disposing of the characters left and it right. Was written, it's written that way. So I don't, yeah, it... But the actual hand thing and the way that it just sort of comes over and shakes up like he's taking up a coke and then putting the pulling the tab on it like that's basically what it looks like. And you like. see Flag turn into a raven, but then it's he's enveloped escape, in the lights. Right, and he's so enveloped we in the don't explosion. Think that he got away. Um, Tom asks, "What was that, Stu?" And Stu says, "That was the end of Las Vegas." So that's the end of Las Vegas. Then we're in on September 23rd, so not that much fucking time had passed. We're back in Axe, Utah. Stu is getting sicker. Um, Tom is trying to get him to eat peanut butter and jelly. It's what his mom always made to make him feel better. Y'all, can I have Tom? <laughs> I'd like a friend that is Tom. We would be friends. And he could make me peanut butter and jelly. I could maybe teach him how to read. Yes. If he wanted to. He knows how to spell moon. He does know how to spell moon and lots of other things. It's the same letters. He's very talented. Uh, Nick comes to Tom in a dream, so we get to see them together again, and it's the best. It is really the most affectionate kind of relationship. I love them so much. You really get a sense of just how huge Tom is. Yes, Tom is, yeah. Because in this scene, uh, Nick visits him through, and again, it's... The, the readings of this, there's no subtlety at all. No. It looks like something from Touched by an Angel. Yeah. He walks in bathed in a gold He is uh, bathed in light. glow, yes. And and he sort of, uh, but you get aware in that scene that the actor, um, Bill Fagabaki, makes uh, Rob, Lowe, Rob looks, Lowe look like a child. Yeah. <laughs> he just towers over him. Yeah. So Nick shows Tom the right medicines mm. to give to Stu. Antibiotics, I'm guessing, right? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, Tom doesn't. Right. He couldn't have figured that out on his own. And then Stu is healing. Uh, and then we hear Stephen King talking. It's he's, His character, Teddy, is uh, at the sort of outskirts of Boulder waiting to see if anybody's coming. Uh, and then the snow, like, cat, is coming up because it's it's already snowing when mm-hmm. they get back. So it's a considerable amount of time it's passed. Some time has passed, although he says the snow came early this year. Okay. Um, and they're like, he's like, there's nobody that's going to come. It's get, like it's going to get too thick. And well, he seems to be concerned originally that it's going to be flags people. It's going to be flags through, people right. coming, right? Um, and he and and they threaten. They're like, say who you are, or we'll mm-hmm. shoot. And I'm like, no, you're no, you're not. But that's fine. Uh, and then. Uh, Tom and Stu appear and they're so happy and then um, and then he tells him that uh, the baby came early and it has the flu so we're still this, the, the climax effectively was Las Vegas and this is tying up this is all some of the loose ends yeah and then we we get back to the town and um Franny and Stu reunite, and Franny is resigned to the fact that the baby is going to die. It's not the baby has not died, but mm-hmm. she's sort of resigned to the fact that the baby's going to die. And she's like, "Well, maybe once I get better, we can try again. Mm-hmm. Maybe with two parents that were immune, the baby will be fine." 
um, because we know that she was impregnated by somebody who was not immune. Right. So it's only had half immunity. Um, and then the doctor comes in and says that she's doing okay. And hopefully that parent, when there are two immune parents going forward, that they'll do even better. Right. But even at preemie and with the flu, she's pulling through. And there are, he also acknowledged that some wouldn't pull through. That's yeah. That's going to be... Yeah. Um, they're living in primitive conditions. More right, that's true, too. Although they have power again, and they have doctors, and, you know, I would probably choose to be a doctor in training. I'd mm. be like, teach me the medicines, please. Uh, and they name her, their daughter, Abigail Goldsmith. I like that it didn't get Stu's last name. It's not Stu's baby. Uh, and then that's the end of the movie. So... What did you feel of it about it as I, a whole? I feel like I've said what I thought about it no, as a whole. No, but now that you've seen the complete, no, film. I know. I think I. So you still your opinion of it hasn't changed on on mm, this view? Uh, no, not really. Um, I I love it, mm-hmm. but I also recognize it that it is not a good movie. I think it is a good movie. I think it's a worthwhile way to spend six hours right. of your life to watch it. I don't know that it's worth spending as many hours as now I have spent watching right. it, which is upwards of 30. <laughs> um, but, like, it, there are p- big problems with it because six hours is not enough time right. to tell the story that it's trying to tell. Um, they c- should have probably, given the time uh, crunch that they were under, uh, combined characters. And mm. people would have been pissed because they wouldn't have had certain characters in there, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But under the time crunch, I would have combined some characters together. And they did do that to an extent. Now, my understanding is that there wasn't this extensive backstory about kept, uh, the flu in the book, that it was more apocalyptic. I mean, that there's about what there is in the thing. Okay. There wasn't that much. I mean, that took up most of the first episode, though. Right, but in that, they were... telling us who the characters were. Uh And that's how they used it here, is to hear, these are the people that we're going to need you to care about. I I have, as you all know, different standards for movies, in that I can appreciate something even if it doesn't quite hold together. And I think that I really like the film, but I also feel that there are huge issues with the continuity. And again, as we both talked about, the the film staying together. Yeah. Because characters come out of nowhere, ideas yeah. develop out of nowhere. And it's like, they do a lot of, mm-hmm. they take a lot of time telling us that shit is falling apart, but we're not, not seeing that. And so I'm just like, apart. well, what a, what is? Like, what's not working? Because everything that we see seems to be on track other than, I mean, people are starting to disobey him. I guess, is that it? Like, I think that the whatever... Trouble is fermenting in Las Vegas. We don't get to see clearly. I think that the rivalry between the two camps, we don't get to see clearly. We don't know exactly what the incident is that really starts them thinking about spies and things. It's just they know that it's the right, the, the course of action they have to take. Um, but I don't, I don't feel that, like, uh, the way that this miniseries plays out, up until the accident, or not the accident, excuse me, the terrorist attack. Yeah that they really have the catalyst yeah. for it. And that would make more sense if that was it or if there was something else we were given in warning. But I do feel it's too truncated. I agree with you that we don't get a sense of it. It's just, yeah, it's 
and because it's truncated, they have to do a lot of telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. And that's just the, the way that that it structure works. It works against the medium. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. So, I mean, I, but like I said, I enjoy it a lot. I really... I want to see some more fleshed out female characters in this remake, in the mm-hmm. new one. I'm hoping for that. Because I feel like the women in this are abused. <laughs> like None of them really get to I think Dana's the shine. only one who comes across as her one of her parting shots to Lloyd is I faked it every time. Yeah, but it sucks she that she had, had to, to do that. Like, yeah. She still had to do that to get to that, but she's in charge of it all the time. Is yeah, the but is get. she? Until the end when she tries to stab me. I, I understand banana. that, but go if if your job requires you to fuck somebody that you don't want to fuck, like, are you really in control of it? No, I, I mean, you know, she kept control of herself, mm-hmm. but for her to be put into that position But sucks. at no point is she ever doing this sort of sad female, I'm... Conflicted. No. I have hurt feelings because I really love. None of that stupidity no, ever comes no, into it. No, no, that's fine. But she still does have to yeah, use sex to. in her job right. with somebody that she does not want to be having sex with, and that's not. I don't. Great. I think that the um, the character that I would say won the this segment of it, of course, was Nadine. Yeah, no, she really that performance and that comes around for me. Just it, it sucks that she has to go. Th- that her character has to go through that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as distasteful as I find her character to be in the first mm-hmm. three episodes, this is what I remember. Like I had forgotten when we were watching it again. I was like, "Why do I like this character?" Because mm-hmm. wow, I want to punch her in her face. Well, so um, until you, this this one. So other things you'd like to see in the new version. Are you asking? Me? Yes. <sighs> Aside from the stronger female characters, which better is, song. Oh, I've said God, that a yes. couple of times. I need a better <laughs> I song. I was so tired of hearing that song. I mean, and because it comes up as a motif, which uh, I like, I like that they mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. But woof, I don't like that song. Um Cooler effects for Flag. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the rape of Nadine. I'm hoping that they do it. I understand that it's a plot point that mm-hmm. can't change um, because her impregnation and then death right. are pivotal, but I don't want to see it. I'm not sure what the goal of it was either. What was, because I wasn't very clear on what Flag's motivation was in getting her pregnant because so, it seems to be a very important plot point. Well, he and needs then, to bring, like, he's like the devil, right? right? So, to make babies, devil babies. Yeah, to make devil babies mm-hmm. is the only thing that I, know I, I was about. That's the here. thing. We never get what his plan is. Well, that's We it. never I, really I, get what Mother Abigail's plan is other than to not be evil. Mother Abigail comes across more flesh than Flag does. Flag well, plays. because what, Mother Abigail this. was a human being right. her whole life. It's unlikely that Randall watching, Flag was born of a woman. Right. In and watching this this time, because this is the first time I've seen it all the way through top to bottom, I was amazed by how little screen time Randall Flag gets yeah, he's, compared he to how that. important a character he is. Yeah. And so I get more from Mother Abigail than I get from him. And because you... And, and 
That's detrimental to that though, because we still I don't know. Yeah, what is mm-hmm. what is his what is he, what's his motivation? What's his what does he get out of this? I guess to kill everybody who doesn't follow him is right. the. But like, you yeah. don't have a plan for that. It seems like I mean, they're clearing out Indian Springs because they do want to fly mm-hmm. planes over Boulder to drop weapons on them. I mean, that or bombs on them. That's presumably what the plan is. Right. We never hear that. That's just a guess. That's a guess from what the Boulder thinks might happen, and what we hear the spies are the, And again, uh, I, what I would okay. And it's literally just he wants to rule the world. He's a, the, the the tears for fear. Song. The tears for fear. That should, fear have been, song. that should have been included. In the it soundtrack. should have been included in the, in the soundtrack. And maybe, and we'll, maybe we'll it rectify was. That. Here's the problem. Uh-huh. Maybe it was. Yeah, that's true. Because if it was in the second two parts. We don't have the DVDs, and the music on YouTube was clearly taken out. So everybody, right. if Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World is playing at any point in the second two episodes of the or second, the third and the fourth, third and fourth mm-hmm. episodes of this miniseries, let us know because it seems like it needed to be there. So, and I feel like I remember being in there somewhere, <laughs> but I it. Like I said, YouTube would have flagged it, so there's no way that the version that we saw would have had it. What I would have liked, what I would like to see for the new one, are the things that you've mentioned, right? Also, I would like to see it be more, be a dozen episodes, be longer. It's t- it's going to be ten. That's that's good. And it's probably going to be ten, like fifty five uh-huh. to sixty minute things rather than forty minute things. And again, we had a very kind of. A director who hadn't done a lot up to this point, and so there was some of it was very static, and his work improves later on. It does, but that and was I would thing. say, like that, like I said, that the scenes at the end with Nadine, the way that he blocks them where she is, right, is very smart and very good. So he composes you can kind of really see, well there. Yeah. And I think it might have been also an issue of time. It might have been an issue of technology. There was a lot that was lacking. And I think also that this shorthand for the characters, especially when it comes to Bat-Faced Girl, yeah, where people are allowed to overact way over the top. Yeah, I don't. It just kind of ruins the dramatic tension of be, the yeah of the scene when someone's giggling and cackling and literally running as if she's the Wicked Witch of the West. That sort of and the banana. It's just there are parts of this that don't work. And they they could. Everything could just be tweaked a little bit and make it more successful. What I'm really going to be sad for is I'm not going to see uh, Bill Fagerbaki as Tom Cullen. Yeah. Because to me, he's that guy. And I'm not sure who's playing Nick, but that pairing worked out really, really well. Really well. well. Um, yeah, the guy that they have, like, like I said, we've talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit before, um, Brad William Henke is playing Tom Cullen. He's the guy who played Eric in that movie with Army Hammer that we watched mm-hmm. recently. Uh, he is not a giant man. He's a big guy. but He's not... big, but he's not tall, I don't mm. think, particularly. Uh, and then Henry Zaga is playing Nick Andros, who is a Brazilian uh, actor. Uh, who's in a bunch of stuff I haven't watched. Okay. So, um, he's in the New Mutants movie that I 
want to have watched, but nobody will let me watch it because they're mean. Mean. He's also in Looking for Alaska, which I will probably watch fairly soon. And he was in a bunch of episodes of Teen Wolf. Mm. So that is a show that I've heard is good, but I have never seen. He seems very young, given... With the, the, the gravity of the part. Well, no, just given the fact that he's... Of the stuff that he's been in, it's all teen stuff. Yeah, okay. So I'm trying to figure out, how old are you? He's not telling... They won't tell me how old he is. Just that he's from Brasilia, which is the capital city of Brazil. Hey, everyone, Rio is not the capital city of Brazil. And he's six feet tall. That's what I can tell you about him. And his name was, uh, he was, he, he goes by Henry Zaga. His birth name is Henrique Enrique Chagas Moniz de Aragao Gonzaga. So. Yeah, that's, no. He shortened all of that to Zaga. fit that in the marquee. Yeah. yeah. So that is who's going to play Nick. And, um. Stu is going to be James Marsden, who I will not uh, underestimate after his Westworld situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amber Heard is going to play Nadine. And it looks like Marilyn Manson is going to be Trash Can Man. That that's hasn't that's been announced. Some stunt casting. He was cast, mm-hmm. and there is nobody listed for Trash Can Man. My assumption, then, okay. is that Marilyn Manson is going to be playing that character. Uh, so, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, <laughs> I was waiting because I, I didn't know about all that. Yep. So, is there anything you'd like to recommend is for people there? this week? I don't know. I don't know anything. Is there anything you'd like to recommend? There's a lot of stuff. Oh, I would cool. like to recommend 21 Bridges. Okay. We did watch that. Which is an action film that we saw this weekend. It harkens back to... What did you call it? Black Panther 2. Panther Black in Panther the City. Two, right. Urban it, Panther. It really harkens back to the kind of thrillers I watched in the 70s. It felt like a 70s film. It did. There's lots of references to it from the names of hotels to scenes that mimic scenes in the French Connection. There's a lot of great stuff, but it's not just strictly an homage movie. It's really well done, and there's a lot of tension in the characters. There's a police officer who is after two men, Taylor Kitsch and... Stephen James. Who is really very good. He was in he's Homecoming. in the Homecoming show, and he's um, great. He's really good. Uh, those two young men steal money. They're supposed to be stealing a couple of keys in a uh, that are being stored at a restaurant. And they wind up finding out much more than they bargained for. I can't give away more than that because this yeah. is a very twisty movie. Yeah. And it earned the twist. It's a drug deal or drug drug theft gone wrong. Right. And it's all very well done. It's all very gritty. It's a really great action film. And I haven't seen much like that. So much of what we see nowadays is kind of overdone. But this looked like real people in real situations more or less. So I really appreciated it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that. I thought it was good. Is there anything else you'd like to read? Mm, I don't know. Maybe Eli. Eli. 
We watched a movie on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was pretty scary. And it also was genuinely surprising. It has Lily Taylor in it. Lily Taylor. She's the best. If there's a horror movie with Lily Taylor in it, you should watch it. It's probably good. Except for one. Except for the one. Which one? The remake of The Haunting. She was good in it. You know what? Watch it. Uh, I think there are some cool effects in that movie. Yeah, I I think I'm. Uh, let me uh, to, to our listening audience to notify them because you probably have guessed already. But I'm a terrible snob, and so having be- read the book and really loved the original film, I-, I had a serious issue with what they did with the. But her performance is really good. Her good. performance is good. She's. I've never seen her phone anything in. Trust Lily Taylor. Right. We. In Lily Taylor, we try. The Conjuring is a better Lily Taylor performance, and she goes all out for that one. She in the original one? In the Conjuring, first one. She's mom. I thought it was the second one. Okay. I believe you. Um, but yeah, so that's a horror movie on Netflix. Netflix. That's pretty good. Uh, no, I'm in the middle of a couple of things. Oh, yes, I know. One one more thing. Mm-hmm. On Hulu, there is a television show. Uh, the entirety of it is available to watch. It's called Dollface. It stars Kat Dennings, who we love mm-hmm. very much, and Miss in the Marvel movies. And uh, I was never a person who watched um, Two Broke Girls, so this is a nice thing to watch her in that isn't that. And it is a, like a... Magical realism uh, story about a woman who breaks up with her boyfriend of five years and realizes that she has, uh, in that time, lost all of her friends because she was in a relationship and just abandoned to all was of on her boyfriend friendships. Island. Yeah. Yep, and so it's how to it's about the importance of female relationships and how to, you know, cultivate and grow mm-hmm. them, uh, and it's got. Is her name Brenda Song? Yes, Brenda Song, who is an Asian actress who was in, I guess, like the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody shows, <laughs> which is not a thing that I'm familiar with. Um, well, she's currently dating Macaulay Culkin, which makes sense because he has a cameo on it. There are some fantastic cameos in this show uh and i really liked a lot of the way that it was shot because she would just like like you're in a real scene and then you're clearly not in a real mm. scene um malin ackerman plays her boss to good effect uh it's just really fun and good and one of the women from Pretty Little Liars? Yeah, she's in it too. And so there's a lot of like beautiful young women being beautiful young women in New York together. And uh, it's fun. It's good. I liked it. I watched the whole series yesterday. Yeah, it's 10 episodes. They're 30 minutes long. I watched the whole thing yesterday. Uh, And I don't know if it's going to come back or if it's done. But... I give it two thumbs up. Yep. That's all. Okay. So, you know what we're watching next week? What are we watching next week? Something I've never seen. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, The Mangler. 
How are we going to find the mangler? I believe it is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to have to pay for it. So the mangler is based on a short story. Hmm. Came out in 1995. The short story of the film? The film. Okay. Uh, directed by Toby Hooper. Oh, that's promising. Uh, co-written by Toby Hooper and Harry Allen Towers under a pseudonym. Oh, so... no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, who is that? Is that a person I don't know? I don't oh, know who that is. Uh, I'll tell you what Christopher Lee said about Harry Allen Towers. Uh-oh. Harry Allen Towers would rather make $10 illegally than $1 legally. Well, this was under the pseudonym Peter Wellback. Yes. Which is the pseudonym that he apparently used a lot. So I'm going to be looking into Imagine that. Imagine Roger Corman as an outright crook. That's Harry Allen Towers. Oh, okay. Well. But we'll talk more about him next time. I know him, his opusculum very well. Y'all, this movie stars Robert England and Ted Levine. So I have hope that it's going it to be at least entertaining. I did not. <laughs> I would not say that he didn't make entertaining movies. Yeah. But he was infamous for making movies on the fly in the Europe in, in Europe, and then never paying anybody who appeared. In them. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> and then Robert be, England and Ted Levine got their money. I'm sure right. of it. And then the actors would wind up wondering why they didn't get paid, and a year later it would get released somewhere, and they're like, "Oh wait, I don't." Ever remember being in a film called Meat Cleaver Massacre? Oh, what, what? <laughs> yeah, oh, because they just cop cut up the footage and put it together, and put it another, together in other movies. Yeah. So, yes. So, the, <laughs> He's an whatever, man. if everyone needs to know, the Mangler is the name of a uh, washing machine. A washing machine? I mean, not what you think of as a washing machine. Not but like yes, the one that we have. It is a laundry press. Oh, okay. So, it has all these things that will fold a thing, like a, maybe a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And okay. to me, the mangler always reminded me of the, the, the fucked up children's song that my mom used to sing me. Uh, that was Johnny Quebec. Do you, uh, are you no, familiar with this? No, I am not this? familiar with Johnny Quebec. Okay, well, I will look that up and bring <laughs> oh, no. that with me. We're going to, to have next, a lot of fun next time, I think. To the next episode. <laughs> so that's what that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the Mangler next week. And yeah, Robert England, though, and uh, well, Ted Levine, he was in The Silence of the Lambs. Right. I have. I have. But what I was, Harry Allen Towers. You should see the cast in these movies. These all these people who never got paid. But I'm. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, that's so what there, there'll be here. a couple of his stories because he didn't direct it. Uh-huh. He just wrote it. Yeah. So and he's a producer too. So maybe he he had a hand in that. Yeah, and so this and the short story did come out of Night Shift from the seventies. Mm-hmm. So right. Like, all right. So that I think does it for us this week. We wish you. A happy Thanksgiving. We hope that we have given you respite from family if you needed it. Uh, and we will see you next week. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or if you can tell me if that Tears for Fear song was supposed to be someplace in this movie, let me know. We're on Twitter at LatecomersPod. We are on G at. We have an email address. It's LatecomersPod at gmail.com. And you can find us at the Latecomers Podcast on Facebook. I think that's everything that brings us to the end. We thank you very much. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you, better Better late late than than never. never.